Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So everybody, you know, I I start this show all the time saying I feel so blessed. Um, But today I really do because this author has put together in a very easy, I think, uh, comprehensive way, easy to understand um, explanation of everything I studied when I was getting my master's degree. So there, this 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 book we're about to go through and talk about is just chock full of everything that I really, 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 really feel is important right now with where we are in the world. So I want to welcome Peter Canova. Peter, thanks for joining me. Oh, nice to be here today. Thank you. Yeah. So the book is called, everybody, Quantum Spiritu- Spirituality. And I got to say, Peter, when I saw the title, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And then I read the, the, the slug underneath, um, Science, Gnostic Mysticism and Connecting with Source Consciousness. And that right there just, you know, clenched it. Okay, we got to have the conversation. So um, if you wouldn't mind briefly, tell people why you felt it was important to put all this information together. And then if we could go through slices of it. So people understand what's actually in the book, but but what what led you to write this kind of a book? Sure. Well, when I was in my twenties, I had a very vivid series of psychic experiences, or I, they're spiritual experiences. People call them psychic for lack of a more or using a more common term. Uh, and uh, I found out that I was an accurate medical intuitive, and then when I kind of came to terms with that, it opened up kind of a floodgate and I was experiencing clairvoyance, clairaudience, premonitions, remote viewing, so forth and so on. And uh, it uh, it it really opened me up to the fact that everything comes from one source and there's a connected unity. I had like a, an epiphany, kind of literally a light bulb moment because it was uh, like being absorbed by a bright, you know, white mm-hmm. light in a semi-lucent state that I had and, you know, I realized this. Now, it's very corny in a way or cliche to say, you know, we're all connected, we're all one. I mean, you hear that all the time in New Age and spiritual circles. But the difference is when you experience it as opposed to talk about it. And I actually had immersed myself in that experience. I mean, it was like a knowing. Okay, it wasn't a dream, wasn't a guessing, it was like a knowing. But in any case, it changed the course of my life. And, you know, I'm an international businessman. I still am, but I kind of took my foot off the pedal a little bit. And it took time to pursue this other career. So I started out doing a trilogy of fictional books, but the fictional books, the themes of those books were all based on about 30 years of research I started doing into um, spiritual matters. And then that led to quantum physics. So, you know, being the Capricorn, I wanted to understand the experiences that I was going through. I needed to know nuts and bolts. So I started off with all the ancient spiritualism, but it led me to quantum physics because both of those efforts or disciplines are tied together by the study or primary focus on light, energy, and matter, those three things, which mm-hmm. are all interrelated, of course. 
So, you know, I made a gradual transfer over, a lateral transfer over quantum physics. And lo and behold, I just started noticing these incredible, insane, incredible parallels uh, between uh, most of the modern theories of modern quantum physics and what the ancient Gnostic mystics were saying about reality Mm -hmm. and creation. So I, and that's what I love, uh, is in your book, you, um, describe the Gnostic mysticism in a way, because I, I took a couple classes and my professor really loved the storytelling, the ana- analogies of Gnosticism. But I wanted, like you said, I wanted the nuts and bolts. I was like, okay, because it resonated with me. I was like, I get this on some level, but I need to have the the nuts and bolts i didn't i don't need the the flowery stuff that was being passed down and um so in let's talk about what mysticism is first peter and then let's tease it out because you've got other mystical uh spiritual mystical uh practice not practices but philosophies in here so what is mysticism well i think you just demonstrated it a little bit yourself when you said that you got feeling of what the Gnostics were saying without having the sort of uh, left bro- left brain data or rationale for it. And that's what mysticism is. Mysticism appeals. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a spiritual path to inspiration that you can feel when it appeals to you like you felt something resonating with the Gnostic stories. Now, remember, the Gnostic myths or the stories they told were largely symbolic. And most people had to be fairly well initiated to understand the higher meaning behind it. However, that's the whole purpose of that type of uh, conveyance and myths and, and, and tales like that is that they resonate with your heart. They resonate with you know, uh, and they you know, kind of give you a feeling like, wow, this makes real sense to me. So, you know, it, it filters down at many levels and, uh, you know, it, on a, on a more widespread mass level, that would be the effect that the Gnostics would have been very happy to see. Right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, and it's interesting to me, uh, as you said, initiate it's the people that really get this mysticism stuff, where they that really understand and, and consequently, I think, understand quantum physics really well, and also get what you're talking about with the spiritual aspect of the world. We're going to get to that in a minute. But this uh you just mentioned highly initiated into some of these uh esoteric uh mystical um philosophies. So just this is just a sidebar, Peter. Really quick, just to answer my personal question. It's it, it, where you're going is an interesting point because it goes back to the very nature of early Christianity. There were actually two streams of Christianity. One was the inner mystical church, and the other was the outer church. And we know this for a fact because in the Synoptic Gospels, it says right there that uh, unto the masses he spoke in parables, but to the disciples I give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I got chills. I got energy just shooting down me right now, Peter. Thank you. Yeah, and it also was evidenced by uh, writings of the early church fathers, like the bishops of Alexandria, Clement, and Origen, confirmed that Jesus had a secret mystical teaching. And by the way, that mystical teaching, that inner church, which was called the Way, there was no such thing as Christianity back then. They wouldn't know what you meant if you told them. It was a it was a spiritual path. It wasn't a religion. It was called the Way. And uh, Jesus imparted these mysteries primarily to the female disciples. Uh, Mary Magdalene, in particular, was the 
key disciple in the Gnostic Gospels who basically was the conduit for this mystical wisdom to the others. Yes, thank you so much for affirming that again for me. And in the book, you talk about Chercher la Femme and, and that, and it's in French. And Mary Magdalene went eventually to France. So I think that there's that whole uh, looking back through, not just through the teaching, uh, the uh, the mystical teaching of Jesus, but all the way back. Let's go all the way back, back to Isis, back to when the divine feminine, which is how people call it now, was really the um, overseer on planet Earth in some ways. I mean, back prior to 3000 BC, uh, most of the cultures on Earth were uh, matriarchal or even matrilineal, like in the case of Egypt. Um, it was uh, when the uh, Aryan uh, invaders, the Indo-European invaders, came down from the north uh, that you see uh, uh, the conflict between the old religion and the new religion changing, the new one becoming more male or patriarchal oriented and suppressing the female version. Well, it happened, you know, it happened you know, a few thousand years later with Christianity, the same thing. Um, in a large measure, you could say, you know, if I don't like to politicize things, but in a large measure, you could say, you know, it's been a struggle for the pro for women to be heard through thousands and thousands of years. And it keeps the suppression of that voice keeps repeating itself. And that means we've lost our insight because that's what the feminine principle is all about. It's about right. feeling interested and insight. And we've become largely a left brain analytical mathematical society. In which then we had to uh, uh, leap leap into quantum physics. You know, when quantum fix physics in the last uh, uh, century was really, you know, becoming the big science to be explored, quantum physics was basically, in my opinion, proving that there was a spiritual, uh, higher source energy divinity that we can't explain, but we experience within ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's correct. The Anything that we consider material has its origin in the energetic world. And that's not a spiritual statement. That's a, that's a scientific, physical statement. Yes. Einstein, Einstein's E equals MC squared. Numerous other experiments have shown that matter is energy, actually energy at a lower vibrational state. Okay, so it dissolve. It comes from energy. Matter comes from energy, and it's dissolved back into energy, which is the basis. If you saw Oppenheimer for the atomic bomb. So anyway, um, that's a, that's actually a scientific fact. What we perceive as a solid material world, very simply, textbook, you know, uh, junior high school level would know uh, that the the supposedly solid world that we have is is unsolid. It's made of atoms and molecules and subatomic particles moving around it vast relative distances. Uh, and only 1% of, uh, uh, of uh, particles are mass. The other 99% is light and energy, but we dwell on the 1%. Everything you're saying, Peter, makes total sense to me because that's the, that's the work I do, the work I do within myself of, of aligning with light and that higher energy. And it's amazing to me that there's so many people that don't don't even understand that because they're so shut off, you know, closed down from, you know, the head down that they don't, they don't even recognize, they don't even recognize that they are, that they, we are all 
energy in motion that just presents as this particular emanation right in this minute. And I think the key word here is intelligent energy because that's essentially what what light energy contains is intelligence and direction. Energy, light energy is the vehicle that the source consciousness that really created everything uses to express all the various forms of reality, whether they're seen or unseen, because we have many dimensions that we don't detect with our, our physical uh, instruments. But we might perhaps be the lowest rung on the ladder being energy in materialized or solid form, but we are energy nonetheless. When we die, our bodies will remain and, and decay, but that intelligent energy goes back towards the source from which it came and from which it's experiencing. You see, because really uh, the Gnostic conception of God, and you can use any term you want, whether you want to call it God, the source, the origin, it doesn't matter. The names are immaterial. It's all describing the same force, essentially. And that force was a conscious, intelligent energy that projected itself out into other points of consciousness, like um, a power grid would have relay stations. And we essentially are part of those relay stations. We are part of that stream of consciousness that was projected directly out from the source. So that means we have a direct connection back to the source. We're not separate from that which generated us. We're not creations like, you know, like Pinocchio uh, was created by Japan. You know, we're, we are actual projections of the real stuff itself. So I love the word proje projection. And in your book, you explain a bit about that. But if you could, ex you know, in terms of creation, I love the way you explained it, uh, that, that source energy, that, that, that intelligent consciousness projected. So it's not like there's, there's a, a piece of like it, explain it to everybody, Peter, because you made it so clear to me. And the, the best way to explain it is we can, we can kind of kill two words with one stone and highlight some of the differences between Gnostic Christianity and Orthodox Christianity. Okay. And so, so the Orthodox conception of Christianity is that we were indeed creations. We were separate things made by a creator from the dust of the earth. Again, getting back to the um, Pinocchio analogy, in this case, we would have been Pinocchio and Geppetto would have been the real, the real like, like real life creator. So the Gnostics said, no, it doesn't work that way. We are not separate from that which created us. We are actually emanations or projections, uh, which are which are outflowing of this uh, divine intelligent energy. Now think of it again, going back to a power grid type of situation. This, the the you know the power coming from the source has to be ramped down in order to be able to be used. So essentially, what this. Uh, uh, Creator, uh, creator consciousness did was project itself out, but ramp its energy down so that you know each of these projected points of consciousness were aware, but they were never aware of the totality. They were only aware that they were individuals. They were aware that there was something out there from which they came, uh, but they could not be aware of the totality because then they'd be the totality. They, they wouldn't have a sense of individuality. So essentially, that's how emanation. Uh, work. It was a projection of the source energy itself. So there was no interruption, no separate creation as the Judeo-Christian Orthodox tradition tells us. And incidentally, that was the basis for how the Gnostics got themselves destroyed. Because when you think about it, the 
outer church of the Orthodox church started developing hierarchies and dogmas and agendas. Okay. And, and he patriarchy, patriarchy, a whole, a whole religious. And I, this is where I really, you, you know, how I define religion. It was a whole religious superstructure that had forgotten the original inspiration or never understood the original inspiration of the message. Okay. Now you have the Gnostics on the, the Gnostic Christians on the other hand were saying, oh, wait a minute. We're not separate creations. We're, we're 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 part of the of the of the divine itself. So why do we need the church as an intercessor? Because the church is out there saying, you want to get to God, you got to go through us. You got to go through the bishop. You got to you know, obey the bishop. You got to obey obey the hierarchy. And then they started developing all these dogmas. That where do those come from? You know, most of those were were man made misinterpretations of what the original message was. Because I don't think Jesus was trying to found a religion. He was teaching a spiritual path, like a like a great yoga would teach a spiritual path. Yeah. So the, you can see the threat that the Gnostics pose to the Orthodox Church because they're saying we don't need you guys. You know we're 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 putting the pin in your uh, in your smoke screen there uh, because all this dogma, all this hierarchy, this is not necessary. Everybody has the ability to directly commune with the source that projected them. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with all of that, and I I imagine uh, the. Um, spiritual energy that is Jesus that is still overseeing what's happening here, I believe, uh, is if he had been put in a grave, he would have been rolling in it. Let me just put it that way. Because the everything got so twisted for, for a hierarchy, a patriarchal hierarchy to in some, also in other ways uh, erase or subjugate the, that feminine uh, matriarchal society that had been in existence way, 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 way before. And it's just fascinating how the pendulum swings. Yeah, I think um, the real loss is this. See, I don't usually look at these in political terms. So, you know, the fact that maybe there was a female-dominant society at one point, and then it was a male-dominated society at the other point, I think it has less to do ultimately with actual gender or sexes than it has to do with orientation because we, each of us had the male and female within us. Now, Carl Jung called it the anima and the animus, the male within the female and the female within the male. We have this right and left brain. The, okay, the, the left brain is the rational, logical, analytical. The right brain is the intuitive it, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it to do with feeling and intuition and so forth. So we have the we have these you know sort of um, polar uh, opposites within each of us. And both Jesus and Jung said exactly the same thing that we have to merge those aspects within us to become complete and whole human beings. Jung called it individuation. Jesus said, when the two become one, then shall the kingdom of heaven be revealed. And by that, he meant when the, when the, when the male and female traits can be evidenced in, within a human being, regardless of whether they're male or female, right. that's really the important thing. Right, right. Because it's, it's uh, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it, well, it's, I'm kind of calling that out now. I would love to see people begin to integrate both sides of themselves. A, a acknowledge both sides, and then B, begin to integrate it. it you know, some some people are are doing it, but there's like a shadow work aspect to it. And and yes, 
But the, I think some of the shadow work, which is necessary for, for a lot of us, also comes from way back when of heavy shaming because of how uh, the patriarchy started to get set up. So the, so the patriarchy or the people that participated in that building of a hierarchy had to then disown some of their feminine the intuition, the um, like you were saying, where you had clairvoyance and clairaudio and all the clairs had to kind of be pushed down so that they could participate in whatever the building of this pyramid hierarchy was. And, and then the women were uh, then... <laughs> And I'm not talking about genders, Peter. I'm not talking about genders. I'm talking about the energy within each of us that one, it doesn't matter what what you incarnated with, you know, apparatus you incarnated with. It doesn't matter. It's the it's the um continual perpetuation of disownership that that we humans have been taught from to then put within us. Yeah, it stems from a lack of tolerance and openness in a way because we we, human, we keep experiencing the the same things. Okay, you know we talk about the authoritarian nature of the church back in those days. Okay, so there was a party line, and if you went against the party line, you were going to be toast. Okay, um, you know we 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 saw it in uh, during the Cultural Revolution in China where uh, there was a Mao Zedong had the red book with a list of correct actions and correct thoughts. And he literally brainwashed a whole young generation of, of Chinese. This incidentally was the origin of, of political correctness in this country because it was brought over by leftist students, radicals in the 60s, 60s. I know because that was my generation. I was in Washington, D.C. during a lot of marches and things. So, uh, so you know, and, and, you know, today, look at what we have today. You have cancel culture and, and political correctness even today, which just you know, an attempt to say, think our way or don't think, you know, we're going to squash mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, it, it just, you know, it just seems to keep recycling uh, in, into uh, that kind of a, a, an unfortunate thing um, where people who are um, presenting revolutionary counterthought, like the Gnostics would have been in those days. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you know, they just kind of got into societal trouble. And eventually, when the church really got well organized, they Pretty much exterminated the Gnostics. Yes, uh, yes, and which is so, and that's hap- that happened with the Cathars. It's happened with so many different uh, groups that really were following their inner guidance, right? The Cathars were the last Gnostic church, by the way. They were Gnostics. Oh, well, that's why I got chills. Yeah, yeah, they were the they were the last, and 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 they're uh, almost all of their female of their priests were females. They were called uh, parfaits or pre uh, perfects. They were almost all female. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the inner wisdom that we all carry. If we are projections of that divine intelligence, that conscious awareness, then that divine intelligence resides within me, within each of us. Yes? The way it works, if you want to go according to the Gnostics, and I, I, I truly believe this, is uh, remember we talked about the projection of consciousness as being an energy that's sort of being ramped down or limited. So with each denser experience of spirit, the consciousness gets more and more dull. The consciousness gets more and more uh, away from attunement with uh, the source itself. Now, limitation of consciousness is the price we pay for individuality. 
again, I, you know, I get back to what I said earlier, which is that if we didn't have consciousness in a limited form, but had it in the same form as the source, we would be the source. We wouldn't have any concept of ourselves as individuals. So yeah. individuality is intrinsically bound up with the idea of a limited consciousness. So to that extent, we're largely living in an illusion because we know much more than we remember down here. But, you know, through this process of limitation, we have funneled ourselves down and funneled our consciousness down to the point where most of us perceive that we're these physical forms walking around when we're really not. We are essentially spirit experiencing human forms. Mm -hmm. And but we but we don't but we don't sense this except except to those people who have woken up in consciousness and had extraordinary experiences with the source or a higher source of consciousness. And there are a lot more of those people around than you might think. So it's entirely possible for anybody to experience. And largely what the book Quantum Spirituality is about, it's about a roadmap for people who are on a higher spiritual journey. And like any good map, it has to have more than one coordinate. You have to have north and south, latitude, longitude. In my case, I use ancient spiritual wisdom and quantum science because those disciplines are about on the surface as opposite in terms of methodology and in terms of time that you can think of but in reality the gnostics were the first quantum theorists and quantum physics today is starting to change its whole attitude about how reality originated instead of being the great accident by inorganic molecules becoming organic which they can't explain and then bouncing together and forming more complex structures to the point where we got human beings walking around today. That's that's the traditional orthodox scientific view, and it's totally insupportable by anybody with a rational mind. The much easier explanation is that consciousness was a bottom-down process rather than a top-up process, where consciousness descended. Okay, mm -hmm. so to, to your to your to get back to your point, yes, we all have that awareness within us, but we have to open up those doors again we ratcheted down to the point where we could think where, the, where these material be where these material beings and it came at the price of a loss of spiritual awareness but we can regain that by connecting with that ever constant source within us and expanding our inner vision okay so peter how do we do that how for you what do you do okay well there there is no one way to do this but let me just say this uh so that people kind of understand how this whole thing works, how the book works anyway. The structure of the book is that you get a tremendous amount of information uh, from quantum sciences, from ancient spiritual wisdom, from neurophysiology and, uh, uh, you know, uh, modern depth psychology. It, it, it encompasses many, many disciplines. And it, it's going to give you a lot of information. And at the end of the book, what I do is I explain that you've got this information to hopefully inspire you and to give you an arena in which you can operate in, to give you some boundaries, to give you an arena you can operate in, okay? But finding the exit out of that arena, taking the right exit out of that arena is your responsibility. Now, how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways. With some people, it happens spontaneously. With me, it kind of happens spontaneously. With Carl Jung, it kind of happens spontaneously. Philip Dick, uh, the author of Blade Runner, um, kind of happened to him spontaneously. So that it, it, it happens that way with some people. And I, I think there's factors involved of why, why that may happen. But 
Uh, other people, they, they come to it initially through study, through maybe study of the scriptures and so forth and so on. But you see, the, 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 the real goal here is that not to have book learning experience, but to have a real personal experience with this higher knowledge. And the way I would say this is, I can sit here and tell you that fire burns, right? Well, if you've never experienced fire before, you don't really know if that's the case until you stick your hand in the fire. You're, you're taking what I say on faith. Now, I could be wrong just as well as I could be right, um, but that's sort of people who are at a faith level of understanding. Then you have people who study and they gain a certain amount of knowledge through books and intellectual knowledge. But there is a higher form of knowledge that trumps both faith and intellectual knowledge, and that's experiential knowledge. That's when you put your hand in the fire and you actually experience it. So that's where I'm trying to help people to get to, is where they can have these extraordinary personal experiences with consciousness, such that they know that this is just one of many worlds out there, that there is a force out there that binds everything together, that it manifests at many different dimensions and levels. These are all things that people start to realize once they started to own and they've had this insightful breakthrough. And that's where I'm trying to get people to where they can have these insightful breakthroughs. So the last part of the book talks a little bit about the principles of meditation and the factors that can enhance meditation and help people have a good meditative experiences. Because when you break meditation down, at least active as opposed to passive meditation, there are um, you know factors involved there, uh, visualization, uh, emotion, desire, desire, different factors to play with that can really propel your, um, you know, your, uh, meditative experience and give you a tremendous boost or shortcut to get where you want to be. Right. And, uh, having been a recipient of, uh, many, many, uh, downloads, if you will, or experiences myself, it, the meditation does help because it helps to move the logical mind aside for a moment so that the, the, vertical uh, alignment attunement you mentioned earlier peter can can occur with a higher source a higher intelligence than us so yeah and i i want i wanted to write a book that both left brain sort of rational intellectual types could relate to and also you know the intuitive the more intuitive folks could relate to because this is really a compendium of all these things and it shows how they work together synergistically they're not opposite you know, they're, they're not opposites okay they're they're like two sides of a coin the same yeah thing. yeah yeah and and if you and if you understand that you can you know use your left brain and right brain you can use the wisdom and intuition and the scientific facts and you see how essentially they meld together and are saying the same thing is it becomes quite exciting because where there's smoke there's fire if all those disciplines are pointing towards the same direction now well, you may not quite be there but you can feel pretty good that you're on the right trail yeah and i love that i think you've nailed it with this book peter that it is a pathway uh for logical minded people and intuitive people to find their uh their way the way back or into a consciousness that maybe they didn't know about. So I really appreciate it. I said this before we we um, we came on air. Your quantum quantum spirituality, everybody. Uh, so for me, Peter, you got everything in a nutshell here, and it explained it for me. Even after I've studied almost all this stuff, 
it explained it so clearly. So for anybody who's um, curious or questioning what what it is you're supposed to or want to move forward with in terms of belief systems and and things like that and your spiritual existence, if you want to develop it, this is a really, 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 really good book. I, I thank you so much for writing it. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, I'd like the listeners to know that if they want to get more information, they go to my website, uh, petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. It not only has a lot of you know videos and information about quantum spirituality, it's a portal to my podcast by the same name, Quantum Spirituality, and also uh, to uh, my website for uh, a highly successful fictional trilogy that I wrote called the First Souls Trilogy, which is really more of a entertaining way of expressing many of the things that we've talked about here today. So it won 25 national and international awards. You can check that out too from the website. So congratulations on that too, you know, and and I think people are hungering for that kind of a, a, a another road into uh, entertainment is always an easier way to get into people's hearts and minds. So thank you so much. And I, I can't wait to see what comes out next for you. I appreciate it. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.